Hey guys, this is Nile and welcome to Greek Mythology with Nile. This is the podcast where I, Nile, crazy lover of Greek mythology, tell you more about it. So in today's episode we will learn how Zeus takes revenge on Cronus. So let's recap first. In the last episode we learned that Cronus married Rhea and had kids called the gods. We also learned how Rhea tricked Cronus into swallowing a rock rather than baby Zeus. Well then, Let's get straight into today's episode. Zeus had a good childhood on Mount Ida. He spent his days romping around the countryside with nymphs and satyrs, learning to fight with his loud friends the Coretes, eating his fill of honey and magical goat milk. Yum. And of course, never going to school because school hadn't been invented yet. Life would have been so great then. By the time he was a young adult god, he had grown into a good-looking dude. All tan and ripped from his time in the forest and at the beach. He had short black hair, a neatly trimmed beard, his eyes as blue as the sky, though they could cloud over very fast when he got angry. One day his mom, Rhea, came to visit on her carriage pulled by lions. Zeus, she said, you need a summer job. Zeus scratched his beard. He liked the word summer. He wasn't sure about the word job. Uh, what what did you have in mind? He asked. Rhea's eyes gleamed. She had been planning on her revenge on Cronus for a long time. Now, looking at her son, so confident, so strong, so handsome, she knew the time had come. There's an offering in the palace for a cup bearer, she said. But I have no experience on bearing cups. It's easy. Whenever King Cronus asks for a drink, you bring it to him. The pain is in grade, but the job has good side benefits, such as overthrowing your father and becoming the lord of the cosmos. Yeah, right, Rhea was so good. I'm down with that, Zeus said. But won't Cronus recognize me as a god? I've been thinking about that, said Rhea. Your siblings have survived in Cronus's gut all these years, and like you, they're fully grown by now. That means they must have the power to change their size and shape. You should have that power too. See if you can see you can make yourself appear less godly, more titanish. Zeus considered that. He had already abil- discovered his ability to change shape. Once, he'd scared his caretaker nymphs by transforming into a bear. Another time, he'd won a foot race with some satyrs by transforming into a wolf. The satyrs claimed he'd cheated, but he totally hadn't. It was a foot race. Wolves ran on their feet. It's not like he'd turned into an eagle. Which he could also do. The only Titan Zeus had ever seen up close was his mother. But he knew that Titans were generally bigger than he was. They didn't radiate power the way he did. They gave off a slightly different vibe. More violent and rougher around the edges. He imagined himself as a Titan. When he opened his eyes, he was taller than his mom for the first time. He felt as if he'd slept badly after a hard day strangling his enemies. Well done, said Rhea. Now let's go get your job interview. When Zeus saw Mount Othyrus for the first time, his jaw dropped. The palace was huge. Its gleaming black towers rose into the clouds like greedy fingers, grasping for the stars. The fortress was meant to inspire fear. Zeus understood that immediately. But it also seemed lonely and dismal. Not a fun place to be king. Zeus decided that if he ever got his own crib, it would be much cooler than Othyrus. He wouldn't go so heavy on the whole Lord of Darkness look. 
His palace would be brilliant, blinding white. One thing at a time, he told himself. I have to bear cups first. Rhea escorted her son into the royal hall where old King Cannibal was snoozing on his throne. The years had not been kind to Cronus, which was ironic since he was the lord of time. He hadn't aged exactly, but he seemed tired and listless, making mortal forms of life wither and die no longer amused him. Stepping on humans it didn't make him laugh like it used to, despite their cute little shrieks. He'd put on weight from eating and drinking too much. The five gods in his stomach didn't sleep. They'd gotten bigger and heavier over the years. They were constantly trying to break out by climbing up Cronus's throat. Their attempts were unsuccessful, but they gave Cronus terrible acid reflux. Rhea approached the throne. My lord, I have someone for you to meet. Cronus snorted and opened his eyes. I wasn't asleep. He blinked at the handsome young titan who stood before him. Who? The young immortal bowed low. I'm Zeus, my lord. Zeus had decided to use his real name because why not? Cronus had never heard of it. I would like to be your cupbearer. Cronus studied the newcomer's face. Hmm. Something about him seemed vaguely familiar. The sparkle in his eyes, the crooked way he smiled. Of course, all the titans were related. Maybe that was it. Cronus had so many nieces and nephews these days, he couldn't keep track of them all. Still, he found this young one unsettling. He looked around, trying to remember exactly who had introduced that boy, but Rhea had already faded into the shadows. Cronus' stomach was too full and his thoughts were too sluggish for him to stay suspicious for very long. Well... He said to the boy, Do you have any experience bearing cups? No, my lord. I'm a quick learner. I can also sing, dance and tell satyr jokes. Zeus burst into a song the nymphs had taught him. Then he demonstrated him some courageous dance moves. It was the most interesting thing that had happened in Mount Rathyrus in a long time. Other titans gathered in the throne room to watch. Soon they were cheering and laughing. Even Cronus had a smile on his face. You're hired. Cronus said, In fact, I'm thirsty. One cup coming up. Zeus hustled off to find the kitchen, where he filled a golden chalice with ice-cold nectar. In no time, Zeus became the most popular servant in the palace. He bore cups like nobody's business. His singing was as clear as the streams on Mount Ida. His satyr jokes were so edgy, I can't tell them in a family-friendly look. He always knew exactly what Cronus would like to drink. Hot spiced nectar, cold nectar with a twist of lemon, nectar spritzer with a little cranberry juice. He also introduced the titans to a drinking to drinking contests, which were very popular with the satyrs back on Mount Ida. Everybody at the table started chugging, started chugging at the same time. The fastest drinker won. What did he win? Well, nothing, but it was a great way to show off because nothing looks more manly or titanly. Then having nectar dripping down your chin and all over your shirt. These contents reeking these contests rekindled some of Cronus's competitive spirit. Sure he wasn't king of the universe. Sure he was king of the universe, my bad. But he was still the youngest of the twelve kids. He couldn't allow his brothers or nephews to be better than him at anything. Despite his constantly full stomach, he got to the point where he could chug a full goblet of nectar in three seconds, and the titan goblets were the size of water cooler jugs. He trusted Zeus 
to fill his glass with whatever would go down the smoothest, which was exactly Zeus's plan. One night, when Cronus was dining with his favorite lieutenant, Zeus mixed some special brews for the drinking contest. The nymphs back on Mount Tida had taught him a lot about herbs and stuff. He knew which plants could make you drowsy, which ones could make you dizzy, and which one could make you feel so terrible your stomach would want to exit your body. Man, Zeus's knowledge is unimaginable. For the king's guests, Zeus makes some sleepy time extra dizzy nighty night nectar. For Cronus, he makes a special blend of nectar and mustard. Some versions of the story will say that Zeus used wine, but that can't be right because wine hadn't been invented yet. We'll get to that later. Anyway, the stuff in Cronus's goblet was uber nasty. Zeus set it aside and waited for the right moment. Dinner started out as usual with lots of drinking, eating and catching up on the titan news of the day. Zeus kept the nectar flowing. He entertained the guests with his jokes and his singing. Toward the end of the evening, when everybody was content and relaxed and sleepy, <sighs> Zeus began boasting about the king's drinking skill. Cronus is the boss at drinking, he proclaimed. You should see him. The guy is insane. I mean, his record is like, what, three seconds? Ugh, Cronus said. He was full already and he'd been hoping to avoid a drinking contest. If he wanted to, Zeus said, he could drink faster than all of you. I bet he would set a new world record tonight. Wouldn't you love to see that? Atlas, Hyperion, Koyos and the others cheered and called for a contest. Cronus really wasn't in the mood, but he couldn't decline. His honor as a super chugger was at stake. He gestured for Zeus to bring in another round. Well, super chugger. What a statement, bro. Zeus ran to the kitchen and fetched his special concussions. He offered the guests their sleepy time nectar and served Cronus last, giving the ding king no time to smell his brew before yelling, Ready, set, go! The titles gumped. Uh, the titans gulped down their tasty beverages. Cronus immediately noticed his nectar taste weird, but it was a contest. He couldn't stop chugging. The whole point was to drain the cup. Maybe his taste buds were a little rough. After all, Zeus had never steered him wrong. Cronus drained his nectar in two and a half seconds. He slammed the goblet upside down the table and shouted, I win! I the next sound out of his mouth was like a walrus getting the helmic maneuver. There's no pleasant way to say it. Cronus puked. He puked a puke worthy of the king of the universe. It was a kingly puke. His stomach tried to propel itself out of his throat. His mouth hinged open all by itself. The better up to abchuck you with my dear. A shot out of five gods. A very slimy lot and a quite lot of nectar. Some biscuits and a chariot license plate. No, I don't know how that all got in there. I'm sorry. I seriously don't know. The five disgorged gods immediately grew to full-size adults right there on the dining table. The titan guests stared in amazement, their minds working slowly due to the spiked nectar. As for Cronus, he was still trying to catapult his guts across the room. Yet, he reached them! Atlas was the first to react. He yelled, Gods! and tried to stand. But he was so dizzy, he fell right into Hyperion's lamp. He, he, Zeus, wanted to lunge for his father's sight. He wanted to slice up the old cannibal on the spot, but the other titans were starting to recover from their shock. 
They might be slow and sleepy, but they had weapons. Meanwhile, Zeus's only weapon was a serving tray. His army consisted of five slimy, unarmed gods, which spent very little time outside a stomach, much less in combat. Guards started pouring into the room. Zeus turned to his confused siblings. I'm your brother, Zeus. Follow me and I will give you freedom and revenge. Also, honey and goat milk. What a way to greet, right? That was good enough for the gods. While Cronus regged his fight, regged and his fighters fumbled with their weapons, Zeus and his siblings turned into eagles and soared out of the palace. Now what? Hades asked. The six gods gathered at Zeus's secret lair on Mount Ida, which his siblings refused to call the Zeus's cave. Zeus had briefed them on what was happening in the world, but they all knew they couldn't stay on Mount Ida for very long. The Rims had heard rumors whispered through the earth. Cronus was sending his titans to scour the world for the escapees. He wanted them brought back either in chains or in small pieces. He wasn't particular. Now we fight, Zeus said. Poseidon grunted. He'd only been out of Cronus's gut for one day and was already starting to dislike his youngest brother, this upstart Zeus, who thought he should be in charge just because he had rescued them. I'm all for fighting that, Poseidon said, but that requires weapons. Do you have any? Zeus scratched his ear. Um, well, no, because uh, I hadn't really thought that far ahead. Perhaps we can make peace, Hazita suggested. The other stared at her as if she was crazy. Hazita was the eldest and the gentlest of the gods, but her siblings didn't take her seriously. You have no wonder how the world, you'd have no wonder how the world might have been different if Hezita had been put in charge. Everything was, you know, peace and quiet if Hezita was in charge. But alas, that didn't happen. Um, no, said Demeter. I will never forgive our father. Perhaps we could steal his sight. We should chop him up like he did Uranus. Then I could use the sight for something better, like cutting weak. Did you see those beautiful fields we flew over? Hera scowled at her sister. What is it with you and crops? All those years in Cronus's cult, all you ever talked about was plants, which you never saw before today. I don't know, I always dream about green fields. They're so peaceful and beautiful and... She was cut off. But guess by whom? It was their mother, Rhea said. My children, said a voice from the woods. Mother Rhea stepped into the clearing. She hugged each of her precious sons and daughters, weeping over joy weeping tears of joy over their freedom. Then she drew them together and said, I know where you can get weapons. She told them the story of the hundred-handed ones and the elder Cyclops, whom Cronus had exiled into Tartarus for a second time. The hundred-handed ones are incredible stonemasons. They built Cronus's palace, which is pretty awesome, Zeus admitted. They are strong and they hate Cronus, Rhea continued. They would be good in battle. As for the Cyclops, they are talented blacksmiths. If anyone can forge weapons more powerful than your father's scythe, they can. Hades' dark eyes gleamed. The idea of descending into the most dangerous, vilest part of creation somehow appealed to him. So we go to Tartarus and we bring back the Cyclops and the Hundred-Handed Ones. Piece of cake, Hera said. She knew about cake because Cronus had eaten lots of it. The crumbs and icing were always getting in her hair. <laughs> Let's go. Tantra's jailbreak may not sound like an easy thing for you and me, but six gods can accomplish a lot when they put their minds to it. 
Hedy has found a cave system that led deep into the underworld. He seems to have a knack of navigating the tunnels. He led his siblings along the course of the subterranean river called the Styx until it spilled over a cliff into the void of Tartarus. The gods became bats. You could argue they were already bats, but you know what I mean. And flew into the abyss. At the bottom, they found a gloomy landscape of rock spires, graves, fiery pits and poisonous fog. and with all sorts of nasty monsters and evil spirits roaming about apparently tartarus the spirit of the pit had been breeding more primordial gods down there in the darkness and they'd be having kids of their own the six young gods crept around until they found the maximum security zone surrounded by a high brass wall patrolled by demons in bat form the gods could fly over that wall easily but once inside they spotted the jailer and almost lost their nerve Cronus had personally hired the most terrible monster in Tartarus to make sure his high-value prisoners never escaped. Her name was Campe. I don't know if Cronus found her on Craigslist or what, but if the worst creatures from your nightmares had nightmares of their own, they would probably dream about Campe. From the waist up, she was a humanoid female with snakes for hair. If that's familiar. because uh, it's the hedo really caught on with other monsters later from the waist down she was a four legged dragon thousands of vipers sprouted from her legs like grass skirts her waist was ringed with the heads of 50 hideous beasts bears boars wombats you name it always snapping and snarling trying to eat up campe's shirt large reptilian wings grew from her shoulder blades Her scorpion-like tail swished back and forth, dripping venom. Basically, Campe didn't get invited on many dates. The gods watched from behind a pile of boulders as the monstrous jailer stomped back and forth, lashing the elder cyclops with a fiery whip and stinging the hundred-handed ones with a scorpion tail whenever they got out of the line. The poor prisoners were forced to work without any break. No water, no sleep, no food, nothing. The hundred-handed ones spent their time at the far end of the yard, quarrying stone bricks from the hard volcanic floor. The cyclops worked at the closer end. They each had a forge in which they smelted metals and hammered out sheets of bronze and iron. If the cyclops tried to sit down or even pause long enough to catch their breaths, Campe would leave fresh burning lash marks across their backs. Even worse, the prisoners weren't allowed to finish anything they started. Even... As soon as the hundred-handed ones had a goodly stack of building blocks, Campe forced them to break their quarried stone into rubble. Whenever the cyclops were on the verge of finishing a weapon or shield, or even a tool that might be dangerous, Campe confiscated it and threw it into the bubbling pits of Mama. Magma. You're probably thinking, hey, there were six big dudes and only one Campe. Why didn't they overpower her? But Campe had the whip. The venom in her tail could even incapacitate sorry i didn't know the pronunciation it could incapacitate even an elder cyclops for hours leaving him writhing in pain the dragon lady was straight up terrifying and the prisoners were chained to around their feet so they couldn't run afar besides the hundred hundred ones and cyclops were gentle souls despite their looks they were builders not fighters Give those dudes a bucket of Legos and they'd be happy for days. Zeus waited until Campe marched to the far end of the prison yard. Then he sneaked up to the nearest cyclops. Psst! He called. The cyclops lowered his hammer. 
He turned towards Zeus, but his one eye had been staring into the flames for so long he couldn't see whom he was talking. I'm not pissed, the Cyclops said. I'm Brontes. Oh boy, Zeus thought. This may take a while. Hey, Brontes. Zeus spoke slowly and cheerfully, like he was trying to coax a puppy out of his box. I, I'm Zeus. I've come here to rescue you. Brontes scowled. I have heard that before. Cronus tricked us. Yeah, I know. Cronus is my enemy too. Together we can revenge and throw him down here. How does that sound? Sounds good, Brontus said. But how? First, we need weapons, Zeus said. Can you make us some? Brontus shook his head. Campe is always watching. She will not let us finish any weapon. Then how about you each make a different part of each weapon? Then you can us, Zeus suggested. Then you can assemble them at the last second and toss them over to us. Campe will never know. You're smart, said Brontus. I know, right? Spread the words to your friends. Zeus crept back behind the boulders. Brontus whispered the plan to his brothers, Argies and Stereotops. Stirops. Then they tapped their hammers on their anvils on a secret code they'd developed, sending the message across the yard to the hundred-handed ones, Briares, Kotos and Guys. I know that's a bunch of horrible names, but remember, Gaia didn't have much time to hold a monstrous triplets before Rodanus pitched them to Tartarus. At least they didn't uh, end up named Huey, Dewey and Louie. Think about it. The gods waited in the darkness before the Cyclops forged pieces of the new weapons, making each one look like harmless, incomplete dookiki. I don't know if the stuff would have gotten through airport security, but it was good enough to fool Campe. Next time the she-dragon turned her back and marched towards the far side of the yard, Prontus quickly assembled the first magic weapon and tossed it to Zeus. It looked like a bronze rocket and about four feet long with no scones on both ends. Zeus's hand fit perfectly around the center. As soon as he lifted it, his whole body tingled with power. Poseidon frowned. What is that? It's not a scythe. Sparks flew from the points. Electricity arced from one end to the other. Zeus aimed the thing at a nearby boulder, and thousand tendrils of lightning sapped it to dust. Oh, yeah, I can work with this, Zeus said. Fortunately, Kampe didn't seem to notice the blast. Maybe things exploded a lot in Tartarus. A few minutes later, Brontes tossed them a second weapon, a spear with three prongs. Poseidon caught it. He immediately fell in love with the trident. He liked pointy things. He could also feel the power of storms humming through the spear. When he concentrated, a minute tornado swirled around these points, getting faster and larger the more he focused. When he planted the spear on the ground, the floor of the pit began to shake and crack. Best weapon, he announced right here. Brian Brontus tossed him the third item. Hades caught this one, a gleaming bronze war helmet decorated with scenes of death and destruction. You get weapons, Hades grumbled, and I get a hat. He put it on and disappeared. Dude, you're invisible. Yeah, Hades sighed miserably. I'm used to it. No, I mean you're actually invisible. Huh? Zeus willed himself to turn visible again. That is one scary hat, Demeter said. Yeah, yeah it is, Hades agreed. He tried to do something else. He glared at his brother, and waves of terror radiated at the helmet. Zeus and Poseidon turned pale. They started to sweat. Zeus almost dropped his new lightning maker. 
Stop that! Zeus hissed. You're freaking me out. Hades grinned. Okay, maybe the hand isn't so bad. Hera crossed her arms and sniffed painfully. Boys and their toys. I don't suppose we get weapons? Are we just supposed to stand back and be cheerleaders while you three do the fighting? Zeus winged at her. He is like that. Uh, don't worry, baby. I'll protect you. I think I'm going to be sick, Hera said. It is possible that the Cyclops would have made weapons for the women. But at that moment, Campe turned and marched towards the Cyclops. Maybe she had noticed the smoke from lightning from Zeus's lightning blast or the swirling clouds from Poseidon's trident. Or maybe she could taste the residual fear in the hair from Hades's helmet. Whatever tipped her off, she dis- she detected the presence of the gods. She raised her weapon and howled, "Roar!" She charged towards their hiding place, her tail lashing, the thousands of vipers along her legs dripping with poison. Great, muttered Hera. I got this, Zeus promised. He stood there and raised his bronze lightning bolt. He focused all his energy into the weapon. Kablam! A column of white hot power shot towards Campe, the most blinding light that had ever been seen in Tartarus. Campe just had time to think, uh-uh, before the bolt blasted her into a million sizzling pieces of reptile confetti. That's what I'm talking about, Zeus yelled happily. Poseidon lowered his trident. Man, give the rest of us a chance. You go free the Cyclops and the hundred-handed ones, Zeus suggested. Poseidon grumbled, but he used his trident to strike the dark chains from the prisoner's feet. Thank you, Brontus said. We will help you fight Cronus. Excellent, said Zeus. Hera cleared her throat. Yes, but the weapons for the ladies... Um, she was cut off. Outside the bronze walls, monstrous roars reverberated through the pit. Every pit and beast in Tartarus had probably seen the flash of lightning, and now they were closing in to investigate. We should leave, Demeter said. Like, leave right now. That was the best non-green idea uh, Demeter had ever had, so Hades led his siblings back into the upper world, along with their six large new friends. So, well then, that's it for today. Uh, we will learn in the next episode how Zeus finally, finally takes down Cronus and finishes him off. Like, there'll be no Cronus forever. Unless if you read Percy Jackson, yeah, Cronus rises again. Uh, but then, uh, well, I hope you guys like this episode. You can find me on Instagram at Retnila Night. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Acast, Hub Hopper Studio, Amazon Music, and Breaker. It's all by the name of Greek Mythology with Nile. Please rate and review to your friends and family. It helps me a lot. You can message me on Instagram. Please go to my blog, nilanite.blogspot.com. Thanks. I love you all and bye.